This weekend, we celebrate the solemnity of Pentecost. Some people like to say that this is the birthday of the church. Others take the opportunity to celebrate the Holy Spirit. I am of the opinion that we should be celebrating and praying to the Holy Spirit all the time. But of course, it's easier to relate to Jesus. We can picture Him. He spoke. He can be our friend or even God the Father. Many of us have an easy time relating to God as Father. But God as Spirit, that's a bit harder. How hard is it for you to say, Glory to you, Holy Spirit, or Praise be to you, Holy Spirit, or to even begin a prayer by invoking, Dear Holy Spirit. Not as easy as, Dear Father, or Dear Jesus. But God is Holy Spirit. God is the Spirit that gives us life. God is the Spirit that inspires us, fills us with courage, patience, awe, and wonder, wisdom, and strength. I may sound a bit charismatic here, but it's good to pray to the Holy Spirit. It's good to let the Holy Spirit fill you with His presence. Actually, I should add that it's okay if I sound charismatic because the church is charismatic. The church is Pentecostal. That's why we say that Pentecost is the birthday of the church. It was the Holy Spirit that took these confused and scared disciples and turned them into apostles. It was the Spirit who gave them a mission, filled them with a mission, and that mission became the church. That's what we celebrate this weekend, and that's what we should celebrate daily as we continue that Spirit-filled mission that began 2,000 years ago, 10 days after the Ascension. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Callen. Hello, Emily. Welcome. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being uh, here <laughs> again with me. I wanted to say that um, uh, I wanted to remind people at the beginning of the program, yes. something that we always say at the end of the program, and I because I think that sometimes people like get to hear the first half an hour and because they're driving and then they don't get to hear the end. Right. And that's when we give a lot of the important information. Okay. Like if you want to, if you only hear half of this program, you can listen to the whole program at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Um, and also where you can reach us because uh, the best way to get a hold of us is to reach me, Deacon Pedro, via uh, Twitter or Facebook. So that's at Deacon Pedro GM. Um, so that's what I wanted to say at the beginning of the show because, you know, in case people are not, I don't know, hopefully they're, they're not, not listening to the rest of the show because they don't like it. But it's because they, you know, had to get they, out of their car right, or something. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Um, and I also wanted to say that I got another haiku prayer. Yeah, okay, from, great. Uh, this one I actually got a while back and I had forgotten about it. Um, but it's from Marissa. And I believe she's about eight or nine years old. Um, so listen to this. Every knee shall bend, be in surrender or praise. Every knee shall bend. So that's that's a that's a that's a a, a little haiku thing that you can always do is repeat the first just line make, yeah, <laughs> yeah, twice because right. it's five syllables. <laughs> well, it just makes it so special too that it comes from such a young person. Yes, it is. So thank you, Marissa. Mm -hmm. Every knee shall bend, be in surrender or praise. Every knee shall bend. So I don't know. I don't know. Perfect. This might be our last haiku. I don't know unless you have some. I do actually. Do you really? I do. Yeah. You, did you really? Good. Yeah. Because 
tell share. Well, I mean, it's inspiring, right? Like I'm, I'm inspired by you, Pedro. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so um, got, okay. Haiku. So, so here's one. Now, usually, uh, I do one, you know, regarding the father, and but I wrote one to Mary. Oh, nice. So, so here it is. Um, Mary, my mother, help me remember your son. My hope is fading. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Your hope is fading. But that's Sometimes why Mary should remind you exactly, of her son. Okay, that she good. should remind me that, you know, that okay, good. Jesus is Good. Is Do there. I see that you have another one? I can oh, see sure. you have I another c- one. Oh, sure. I can read you the other one. There's yeah. another one. Um, forgive me, my father. Nope, sorry. <laughs> I added a syllable there. Oh, uh, yes. Forgive me, father. When worry overcomes me, Lord, I trust in you. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Those are good. So that's uh, haiku prayers. I don't know if we're going to be doing this any any much longer, but that, that's five syllables, then seven syllables, and five then syllables five, is yeah. a haiku, and you make it a prayer. So yeah. thank you so much. Very cool. Anyway, we have a jam-packed show today. Um, Emily has our news, and that's going to be very soon. And after that, Danny Torquia will be here, and he says that he's going to give us the new frontier in communications. We don't know what that is, okay. but he's going to tell us. So that's in about 15 minutes. And at the end of the show, um, at the end, sorry, at the end of the first half, we're going to be listening to a special message on Amoris Laetitiae and the family by Cardinal Vincent Nichols of Westminster, England. Great. So he's actually Wonderful. given us a recording of, of, of his message. So we're going to share that with everybody because it, concerns everybody yes um and we're not having connect five today because in our second half hour we're actually going to be speaking with sebastian gomes <laughs> about his new show mm-hmm. subject, matters. subject matters that's a new a new it's a gonna new, look good yeah yeah oh it looks it looks spectacular so he's going to tell us all about that it's a it's a show about books it's a book show called subject matters um and it's premiering on salt and light television this sunday may 15th so we're going to learn all about that um in about half an hour and uh, at the end of the program we have a featured chat with sarah hart Who's in this nice. program at, at least once a year because she's always writing new stuff and she has a new album. And we, we love Sarah Hart. And just a beautiful ministry too. Yes, uh, she, she's great. Um, Sarah Hart has a new album though, Till the Song is Sung, which is dropping on May 24th, I believe. So let's begin with a little teaser because nobody else is playing this music because the album is not released yet, <laughs> but you'll hear it here first. Here's a little uh, teaser from Sarah Hart's uh, Till the Song is Sung. Um, the song is called... Never be ashamed. And this one she actually sings with Ike Ndolo. Do you know who he is? No. Ike, uh, we're trying go. to get Ike on this program, and one day we will. So Ike Ndolo is another Catholic singer, very well known. Um, you might see him at, at the Odd Steubenville Conference. So this is Sarah Hart and Ike Ndolo with Never Be Ashamed from Sarah's new album, Till the Song is Sung.
That was Sarah Hart with Never Be Ashamed from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. And singing with Sarah there was Ike Ndolo. And we're going to be speaking with Sarah in our second half hour. But first, Emily is still here with our news. Yes. So uh, lots of things been going on. Yes, yes. I have three, three or four, three, four... Four pieces yes, of news okay. for you today. Yes. Um, first of all, something really cool. Um, I don't know if, if any of you remember, but or if you remember, Pedro, but there was the Expo Milan last year. Uh-huh. So, and the Holy See had a had a pavilion. Yes. Now, now, any all the visitors could give uh, funds or donations to to this pavilion, and all the funds that they received, the Holy See is now giving them to the Caritas uh, Mission in Jordan. Okay. So about one hundred fifty thousand wow. dollars for basically a job creation project for uh, Iraqi refugees in Jordan. So what's going to happen is that these donations are going to help kind of kickstart this program for about six, the first six months. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the the project is going to be self-sustaining. So they're going to guarantee regular income to start off with for 15 refugee families. And then they're going to give professional formation in agriculture, food technology and carpentry to 200 uh, refugees and then 500 of more of them um, will get temporary employment throughout the whole uh-huh. year. Very good. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a that's cool. A so Iraqi thing. refugees in Jordan. In Jordan, yeah. That's great. And so there's about a hundred thirty thousand yeah. of yes, them. Yes, there right are, now. and I've yeah. met a lot of them because when I went okay. to Jordan, th- those are the refugees that were there at the time. The Iraqis, and they're still there. So it's yeah. nice to see. It's nice to hear that the Vatic- Vatican donating yes to charities, which I'm yeah. sure they always have done. But it's nice that we hear about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you say, we know we know they have a charity, but this is yes. you know concretely. So this is one of the things that they're doing with yes. it so it's great so second uh second piece of news um there was a swearing-in ceremony for the new pontifical swiss guards oh um, that's right a week ago yes. yeah <laughs> so um I may know. 6th is usually the day where they do this ceremony uh-huh. because it commemorates the day in 1527 when uh, about 140 some guards gave their life for the pope when the romans invaded vatican city Wow. So so that's why they do this on May 6th. So, yeah, so the Swiss guards are, are responsible for the safety of the Pope. This has been going on for 500 years. Yes. And usually these guys are between 19 and 30 years old. So just young guys, you know. So And they're not married, Emily. So <laughs> you might, you know. I know, but I don't know if I can fly to Rome <laughs> that easily. <laughs> well, you never know. Um, Good-looking Swiss men. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and so Pope Francis basically just told the soldiers, you know, my hope for you is that you shall live your days of service, strong in the faith and generous in charity toward the people that you shall meet. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, so this, again, in, in another year, we're going to see another swearing-in ceremony of Swiss Guards. Yeah, nice. Um, third piece of news. This is a little more uh, inter- on the entertainment side of okay, things. Okay, yes. um, So I don't know if you know The View. The show, yeah, the yes, view, of okay, course, yeah. yeah, in the states, and uh, the Franciscan handmaids of the Most Pure Heart of Mary were on the show, uh-huh. right? Quite a long name, right? Um, because Whoopi Goldberg, what happened is that she heard the work that they were doing in Harlem, in New York City, uh-huh. um, with evangelization, education, palliative care, and, and they have this food pantry. They feed about thirty thousand people every year. Yeah, and so she wanted to surprise them with uh, with basically a $10,000 donation wow. um, in order to um, to have more, to be able to, to provide for, yeah, for yeah, these yeah. people that they're feeding and that they're helping. And they also gave them a new car, a new Toyota. So, what? Yeah, so there's a video circulating online right now about these, yeah, these nuns <laughs> on The View. And uh, 
they, you see their surprise at receiving this new car, a bigger car, because, you know, you right. can see kind of what they used to have, which is this yeah, little thing. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, trying yeah. to like stu- stuff, you know, all this food in there. Um, so now they're going to have room for everything and travel around oh, uh, that's fun. freely. So, yeah. So that's Whoopi Goldberg deeping, dipping <laughs> deep down into her sister act. Yes. Sister well, Dolores. She, yeah, she even came out in an unhabit Did actually really? to do this unveiling. That's so it was quite unveiling something. Yes. An unveiling. With her veil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. good. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Um, um, thank you, Emily, for that. That's That's fun, fun news. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So you can, a uh, reminder to all our listeners, you can stay up to date with what's happening in the church and clearly what's happening outside of the church yes. with our daily perspectives, updates in several languages. And it's easy to find all that at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show by simply following me on Twitter or Facebook at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, on the run, on the not on the run, on the road on yeah. your, uh, from Quebec City. Um, thanks for joining us today again, Danny. My pleasure. It's always an honor to be with you and your wonderful listeners. So, so you you are going to tell us about the new frontier in communications in the church. Sounds sounds uh, daunting. Yeah, it sounds like a cliche, but uh, you know, many yeah. people. Yeah. So I'm already there is a new frontier, and I, it's something I've discovered in my many conversations and interviews with PR people around the country and around the continent in the U.S. as well. Is and it's not it's not social media. Let me just put it that way. Okay. What is it then? I think it's going to be internal communications, Deacon Pedro. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, what, what I've noticed is that, you know, every we started noticing in our agency uh-huh. that, that people would hire PR firms or communications consultants to, do, uh, to, to proudly announce amazing developments or milestones, um, but they would announce it and, and do a lot of fanfare and invest some time in, in external communications with a press release, but most times when we would start asking questions like, well, have you announced this to your staff or have you announced this to your partners? The more, the closest people to the, the, the what I call the bosom or the, the, the core of the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would get often, no, we haven't. Or it would be a very haphazard, a weak answer. And so we're realizing that, you know, if a company or an organization like a diocese or a church or a group really wants to have credibility and amplify their message in this day of citizen, citizen journalists and everyone being an ambassador. Well, we got to start with our core employees and our core associates. So I think that's going to be a big topic of growth and yeah. conversation yeah. for the years to come. Yeah, I, I, the reason why I'm surprised is because you're right. We don't think of that as as public relations because it's internal communications. But you're right, and everywhere I've worked. Uh, in fact, this uh, just thinking about it makes me angry because people are so bad at, at internal communications. Are you suggesting that the same uh, approach that we take to external communications we should be taking towards internal communications? Yes, except with a heightened weight, even greater weight, because there's nothing more important than, than your colleagues. And it has more of an emotional impact if you omit them, if you forego or yeah, miss them in some way. It, it impacts performance, it impacts motivation. So I think internal communications has a, a very important uh, impact and result on the marketing uh, success that you can have. So your, your employees, they need the elevator spiel 
or the, the, the core messages of what you're announcing first, because they mm-hmm. can share it with their families, their friends. And nowadays, individuals who work for the bigger organization, they might have a blog or a bigger following on social media, sometimes in the institutions that they're, they're working for. Right. So, boy, can we exp- expand tremendously the um, reach of our messages if we go that route. And then there's, there's another thing that I'm even more partial to, is how are we going to inculcate and enculturate the organization to have a performance-based mindset if we don't empower and look to our staff to rally behind the common cause? And I think it it relates to to, um, employee engagement, employee recognition, to acknowledge that our staff have a role to play in the uh, mission of the organization. And all right. that goes, comes down to we will reach more people, we will evangelize, we will truly uh, do more in our vocation if we get everyone to work together in, towards the, uh, the key messages and the marketing of the organization. Yeah. And it goes a long way to, 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 to helping in both ways, you know, get the message out and get everyone re- really course. happy internally. Now, you were saying that you that it, in your personal experience, you see that this has, has been a challenge or a problem. Um, you were just in Quebec speaking to all the communications directors from all the dioceses in the province of Quebec. Did you, when you presented this this part of your talk, did you get a sense that everybody sort of agreed that that was an issue in the church? You're right. I mean, first of all, you're right that I noticed with our normal, like with our standard clients that are just no, clients that are corporations, small size firms, we noticed it there first. Then we tested it with Catholic Church partners, and yes, in Quebec, uh, with, with with about fifteen directors of dioceses in Quebec, French language diocese in yes. Quebec, they agreed, and they felt that um, too many times there's um, a little bit of neglect in, in, in internal communications, and and so they they wa- they really want to grow that. And uh, and fostering and improve the morale, uh, because let's face it. I mean, if if the morale of Catholics, broadly speaking, your normal listener, if, if it's a t- it's a tough time to be a Catholic. There's some hot button issues all across the, the both our countries in the U.S. and Canada. Then it also impacts staff, and so I think a, a bishop or the head of an organization should be be extra sensitive to how are we working through these tough for times or uh, with our staff, and that goes down to the PR department. So the PR department or the PR people, communications people, marketing people sh- could be advocates for change. And, and I think it will start with internal communications, but then it'll go into this there's a new realm that's growing in, in corporate Canada and America, which is employee engagement or reward and recognition. And it starts with uh, just communications and recognizing that your staff play an extra special role in in the uh, the life of the organization. So I think it's going to go a long yeah. way. Um, and it, it, what we're talking about today not only speaks to PR people, but also people in, in human resources absolutely, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I mean, we can leave that for another day. Employment, enga- employment employee engagement. Uh, we're going to leave it there, Danny. Thank you so much. Uh, My pleasure. For sharing this, uh, the new frontier in communications, internal communications. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Danny Torquia is our public relations expert and also the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia. Hi, everybody. This is Father Robert Barron of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you all. On April 8, 2016, 
Pope Francis released the long-awaited post-synodal exhortation Amoris Laetitiae, the joy of love, on the family. A few days later, Cardinal Vincent Nichols, Archbishop of Westminster, he's also the president of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, issued a pastoral letter. Cardinal Nichols recorded his message and has made it available to us as his message is relevant to all. My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, just three weeks ago, Pope Francis made public his apostolic exhortation on love in the family, entitled The Joy of Love. It followed wide consultation and two synods of bishops. Many have started reading it and find it quite remarkable. I heard from one husband who found his wife in tears. He asked her why. She said she was weeping because the words of Pope Francis touched her so deeply. This exhortation embraces many topics. It also embraces the reality of our lives. Pope Francis talks to us as if he had his arms around us. He speaks of the beauty of love. Reflecting on the words of St. Paul, that love is patient and kind, not jealous or boastful, arrogant or rude, never rejoicing in what is wrong, but hoping and enduring all things. He writes of how this love finds its place in family life and grows through many crises and difficulties. Indeed, he speaks of love as a craft, something at which we have to work hard with care, understanding and perseverance. Love is always a journey in all true friendships and especially in family life. It was these reflections that brought tears of recognition to the eyes of that good woman. The Holy Father spells out three reasons why this sensitive appreciation of the journey of love is so crucial. Firstly, he tells us how important it is to prepare for this journey. This begins within a person's own experience of family life. Then, as young people grow, this preparation continues with clear guidance and a vision of the dignity of love. The Pope reminds us of the importance of positive and prudent sex education and says that it is always irresponsible to invite adolescents to toy with their bodies and their desires as if they possessed the maturity, values, mutual commitment and goals proper to marriage. He lays great stress on the importance of the ways in which we prepare couples for marriage itself. Secondly, Pope Francis speaks very realistically about the problems which we face on this journey of love. He appeals again and again that we learn to help each other and work always for the strengthening of marriage and family life. Thirdly, he explains that we always have to work out step by step the journey that we are on. He puts this very simply. No family drops down from heaven perfectly formed. At every stage of this journey, he asks that we never lose sight of our true goal 
and never give up on it. That goal is expressed in the vision of faithful married love, which he describes as a place where God truly dwells, and a true and precious pathway to holiness, on which we are never without his presence. Family love, he says, is a God-enlightened space, always to be revered and nurtured. For this reason, he insists that we must never stop proposing the full ideal of marriage, God's plan in all its grandeur. Pope Francis speaks so sensitively about all these matters. While expressing beautifully God's plan for marriage, he wants the church to be like a field hospital, with a particular concern for all those who, as he puts it, are in situations which do not yet or no longer correspond to her teaching on marriage. This is the most sensitive part of his message. He presents afresh the clear teaching of the Church about marriage and reminds us persistently of the truth of the endless mercy of God for each one of us. At this point, it's so important not to reduce this great exhortation to being simply about whether people who have been divorced and remarried can go forward to receive Holy Communion. The quest is much wider. It's a quest for every person to understand much more deeply their situation before God. When we hide nothing from the Lord, when we reflect carefully in prayer, when we open our hearts to the wonder of God's plan for our happiness, we begin to sense the call of our conscience, that inner core and sanctuary where God's voice echoes within us. Here we are led both to a painful admission of our past failings and to a careful consideration of what the next steps in our journey might be. Such considerations, which the Holy Father speaks of as discernment, are always best carried out in thoughtful dialogue with an experienced guide, usually a priest. I thank God that this great exhortation has come to us during the year of mercy, when so many people are turning again to confession, the sacrament of reconciliation. That is a good place and a good time to start this discernment, accompanied by a priest. Pope Francis puts it like this, I encourage the faithful who find themselves in complicated situations to speak confidently with their pastors or with other lay people whose lives are committed to the Lord. They may not always encounter in them a confirmation of their own ideas or desires, but they will surely receive some light to help them better understand their situation and discover a path to personal growth. Love in the family is a never-ending vocation, a shepherding in mercy, 
across the generations. Indeed, it is the first way in which God's love is made real in our world and by which the gospel of hope is proclaimed in situations that can be demanding and harsh. Our study of this exhortation will take time and effort. For all of us, it will be a great source of joy and encouragement. Please do read it at home, together with loved ones. You too may share its beauty in tears of joy. And may God bless you all. That was Cardinal Vincent Nichols of Westminster, England, and President of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, reading his pastoral letter on the joy of love and the family. Coming up in our second half hour, a new TV program about books and a featured chat with Sarah Hart, who has a new album, Till the Song is Sung. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I know that some people say that no one is reading books anymore, but I disagree. Well, at least I'm still reading books, and I know that our next guest is still reading books. Sebastian Gomes has spent the last couple of months reading a lot, and he's working on a new TV show about books. But Subject Matters is not your typical book show. And to tell us all about it, here now is Sebastian Gomes. Sebastian, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. You're Great here, to be here. You're here every week uh, on Connect 5, but That's today true. we're going to do Connect 10. <laughs> um, um, so, Subject Matters, um, a book a show about books. Why Why do you say that books are unique? I mean, I think I get it, but what, what do you mean when you say that they're unique? Yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the idea for the show basically came out because we used to have a book show here yes. at Salt and yeah, Light, actually. Um, and it kind of faded off. And, uh, you know, I, I've been saying for a couple of years now, we should revive this because there's mm-hmm. so many great books out there. Yeah. Even though, uh, you know, a lot of people may not be reading books anymore. They're reading a lot of eBooks or getting all their content yeah, yeah, online. Yeah. Uh, books are still really important and, you know, they're still being published and some of the most um, amazing um, ideas and experiences and stories are communicated through books still today. So we wanted to be able to, to highlight that. And to be honest, there's a ton of great oh, Catholic there books yeah, there are. But that, that need to be featured. I, I, well, I think that when you say that books are unique, though, you're talking specifically about that, that format, yes. that medium. Yes. So what is it unique about that like you're not talking about downloading a book onto my tablet right right right. well if you think about i mean a book is a communication a medium for communication yeah and if you think about the mediums for communication today uh they're all digital technological you know and they're developing all the time and they're often based on 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 fads or fashions like there'll be a piece of technology that comes out and it's the most amazing greatest thing ever and then you know a couple years from now it's completely irrelevant like the first generation iphone or ipod yes you know if you looked at that now you'd be like what is this from the stone age exactly and nobody's using it anymore now a book though is totally different because it's a medium for communicating ideas that's been around for as long as human history yes i mean we only know human history through writings uh-huh. through you know uh human beings expressing themselves in words and in pictures yeah uh and some of those things have been preserved you know so um uh, what we know about the ancient worlds not only the religious worlds but also yeah. you know the pagan worlds yeah. and different things are all you know manuscripts and texts that have survived through the ages 
uh, because they've been copied and written uh, by different uh, individuals. And so it's, it's kind of the medium that has withstood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, books have, uh, have, are as, true. As, as old as human history itself. It's true. I know I, I have books that belong to my grandmother, to my great-grandparents. You know, it's just, they're, they're great. Um, is there something, though, about books that is specific to our Catholic tradition, though? Yeah, you know, we often think about the Catholic Church as uh, the church of the great tradition. Yeah. We're, we're kind of seen by other people. We understand ourselves and we're seen by others, other Christians and, and mm-hmm. non-Christians, as people who uh, um, put a lot of emphasis on tradition. We value tradition, and mm-hmm. you know, and because we're the, ap- we're the church of the apostolic tradition. Yeah, we can yeah, trace yeah. our roots, you know, through the bishops all the way back right to the back, apostles, yeah. and that's really important for us. Uh, so, yeah, books have played a huge role in um, the transmission of the faith and the preservation of our uh-huh. faith. Uh-huh. And that, it, that's, that's really amazing because if you look at a lot of the books that we have from previous eras, mm-hmm. it's because of the church that they've been preserved. It's yeah. because they're a part of our religious history, because of, of our Christian history. Yeah, not just religious books, but even secular history has been preserved because of the church. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you think about, you know, what, what, what's apart from tradition itself, what's the other really valuable thing to us as Christians? The Gospels, yeah. the Scriptures, yeah, which course. are books. You know, yeah. the Bible itself, the Bible isn't a book. The Bible is a library. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a whole history of salvation that's been uh, preserved through the story of the Jewish people and then yeah. about Jesus yeah. and about the apostles and the early church. And uh, so as much as, you know, we're, we're, we're a church of tradition, we're also a church of, of uh, storytelling, preservation. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important. That's true. And Jesus Christ is the word. There's, there's something there, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, so tell us about subject matters. You're saying it's not your typical book show. Why? What's different about it? Well, it was really important for us to, uh, to make the show uh, visually rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, in my opinion, reading a book can be a really rich experience, yeah. enriching experience. If it's a good book. If it's a good book. <laughs> no, not every book is really good. But <laughs> we only pick good books yes, on the show, absolutely. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, no, for me, I mean, when we are, side note, when we are picking the books, I always want to make sure the books are first relevant, that yeah. they're talking about something that matters to people, uh-huh. and they're also readable in the sense yeah. of accessible. Okay. So anybody yes. can pick it up and say, yes, this is a subject that matters. Yeah, that's and, important. And yeah. yes, I can read it. Yeah. I can get through it, and, and it's going to make a difference uh, yeah. in my life. You uh-huh. know? Um, but for me, it was important to make the, make the show visually rich because mm-hmm. reading a book can be a rich experience. So that's what we did. We approached a local uh, bookstore downtown here in the financial district in downtown Toronto, uh, that's been here, I think, since about 2007. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. Ben McNally Books. You got to check it out if you're ever in. Tr- any yeah. of our listeners are in Toronto, ever make sure you go there. It's on Bay Street, right in the heart of the financial district. But it's really beautiful. And he, you know, what it feels like when you go in there? It feels like you're walking into a dining room on the Titanic. Yeah, you know, it's got like true. the chandeliers and the wood, and the wood paneling and the yeah, trim and everything. It's, true. it's really, it's true. really I never beautiful. Thought of that. Yeah. Really beautiful. And so, and, and that was all intentional. When he had the architect design and create that, it was specifically for people walking in off the street, away from the hustle and bustle of downtown mm-hmm. Toronto, and then experiencing something totally different as far as atmosphere goes. Mm-hmm. And it's just a place for people to stop in, uh, you know, browse books, buy books, but it's a totally different feel than what's yeah. happening outside the store. And I wanted that for the show. Uh-huh. So when you watch the show, you see this spectacular bookstore setting that we're in and uh, it, it really complements nicely 
the content that we're talking about, about the book, because the content is so rich. Visually, it's so rich. So right. it's, it's a wonderful viewing experience. So, okay. So tell me a little bit about who these authors are. Who, what kind of books are you featuring? We feature a ton of different books. And I insisted from the very beginning that we don't only look at Catholic books. We mm-hmm. have to be able to look, as Catholics, okay. we have to be able to look at right. books on politics, yeah. books on culture, uh-huh. society, fiction, nonfiction. Graphic novels. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. We're working on that. Uh, but it, nothing is, this, in a sense, off the table because anything that is kind of relevant to our society has to be relevant to the church as well. So we have to yeah. be able to, to engage those those ideas and, and talk about them. Yeah. Uh, but the first season, which uh, kicks off Sunday, yeah, May, May 15th, 15th. Yeah. Uh, at 8.30, is, uh, for one example, is a book by David Gibson called Finding Jesus, mm-hmm. Faith, Fact, Forgery. Yes. So really intriguing. But yes. essentially, David looks at six holy objects, things like the Shroud of Turin, okay. um, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, you know, dun-dun-dun, yes. um, the bones of John the Baptist okay. that apparently showed up in Bulgaria in 2010. I mean, so he looks at these holy objects and mm-hmm. he says, whether or not we can prove that they're authentic, what do they tell us about the historical Jesus? Okay. Yeah, And that's something that people are fascinated by, yeah, Catholics and non-Catholics. Yeah. So it's those kinds of books uh, that uh, are intriguing to a wide audience that I try to uh, to feature. But we also do books on spirituality. We also do um, uh, books, like really practical books. Like we did a book on how to kind of rebuild a parish. Yeah, like if, you're per- if your right. parish is kind of like, yeah, you know, in right. the, in stuck in the mud, what can you do to really bring it back to life? Yeah. Uh, so... Everything is kind of on the table, but we hope that it's going to be both, uh, you know, relevant for people and also readable, something yeah. that they can pick up. So That's good. Those anyway. two words are important, relevant and readable. Anyway, all that information is on the website. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit about this with us today. It's always good to find out who is doing what here at Salt and Light because <laughs> uh, everybody's running around busy doing something. Um, so thank you for letting us know what you're up to. <laughs> no, thank you. I hope, uh, hope our listeners tune in. Yes, absolutely. Um, That was Sebastian Gomes. You can listen to him on this program every week on his segment, Connect 5. But he is also the producer and host of the new Salt and Light TV series, Subject Matters, which, as he says, uh, as he said, airs every Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That's beginning this Sunday, May 15th. And that first program features the book by David Gibson. He's the author of Finding Jesus, Faith, Fact, Forgery. And you can learn more at the website, saltandlighttv.org slash subject matters here now is our featured artist of the week sarah hart with because i want an end from her new album till the song is sung i want an end to every war for souls to matter more than land for bombs and men to fall I want no blood upon my hands But if I live and take no stand My weapon is ambivalence So peace be what I live and breathe And plant within my children And Because I want an end 
That was Sarah Hart with Because I Want an End from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. Sarah Hart is probably the most accomplished Catholic songwriter of our time, not only because of the songs that she writes for herself, but also for the songs that she writes for and collaborates with so many others, including Matt Maher, Audrey Assad, The Newsboys, and Amy Grant. When not writing, 
Sarah keeps herself busy running women's and parish events and retreats. Sarah's most recent album that we've been listening to is Till the Song is Sung. It's her ninth as a solo artist. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Sarah Hart. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. So good to hear you. Oh, it's so good to hear you too. It's been too long. I don't know how long, but it is. And I keep seeing photos. I keep seeing photos that you post of your daughters, and they're so big. Uh, um, I know they're grown ups. It's crazy. They're as big as I am. I know with big feet, big smelly feet. It's wonderful. Oh, yes, I love teenagers. it. Teenagers, great, great. So it's good to see. It's good to see that you're still juggling. I still remember that comment you told me about the, keeping the balls up in the air and juggling, and you're always doing ten million things. Oh yes. So you're recording the well I guess your the album is done till till the song is sung it's your yep. ninth album I find that so crazy that's like a lot of albums um and you I know, think I still have I your first one too. yeah so what's what's it's different what, what do you think is different for you f- about this album Well you know um I don't know what's different about it. I guess I haven't had long enough to process it because it's just out. It just came out. But the songs are very special because each song is based on one of the fruits of the Spirit. So Uh love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, you know. Um, And so I I wanted to address each one of those in a song because I felt like even standalone, they have their own merit. People tend to just like sort of throw that Bible verse off the cuff instead of treating each one like it has its own specific ideas and merit. And so I really wanted to pay attention to that. And that's what the uh, recording did. And then I've also written a retreat about it. That yeah, I okay, wait, so hold on. Yeah, and I want to ask you about the retreat in a second. So I didn't make the connection. So, so, uh, so the album is about the fruits of the Spirit, which that's great for Pentecost. Um, so uh, th- did you think of that like as a concept, like I want to do something about the fruits of the Spirit? Or were you writing these songs and it turned out that one was about love and one was about joy? Like, how did that come about? Right. Well, actually, the retreat came first. So I've been working on the retreat for a couple of years. But as you know, I'm a songwriter. So I write songs pretty much three times a week, generally, in general. And so I'll write three or four songs a week. So what I really did was just once I had the retreat written, I kind of went back and looked at all the songs I had written and thought, what what song have I written that really fits this well that I actually like and want to sing? Because, um, you know, I don't always write songs that I want to sing, so that's great right. as well. Yeah. But, um, but really, that they all just seem to super well fall into place, and um, it seemed that I had a complete recording. I think I was one song shy, and I ended up writing it very last. So wow. perfect. It, it all worked out really well. Yeah. So then why the title, though? Because you think that you would have called it fruits or something <laughs> fruity. I don't know. Well, you know. Sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Well, here's the honest truth. I, when I was in the studio, it really hit me that this is my ninth record. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, how is it that this is my ninth record and I'm only 29 years old. Like, how can that be, right? So that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. No. And I, I'm not really 29, of course, you know. Yes. But I'm thinking, Lord, you know, how much longer do you want me to do this, really? And I was thinking about the lyrics of this song that I've written, and I felt God kind of speaking to my heart, I want you to do this till your song is sung. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, then I will, Lord, I will, you know, until I feel like you say stop, until I feel like you say okay, well done, no more, 
you can rest now. But I don't feel that way yet. So it's sort of my saying, I will continue to do this ministry and this singing and writing until the song is sung and it's done. That's beautiful. And I'm, I'm glad that you don't feel that the song is sung yet because we want you to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, so, but wait, but there, is, but there isn't a song called Till the Song is Sung. So is that going to be No, there's s- a song called Source and Yield that oh, okay. has that lyric in it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. And that's one of the songs that we're not playing, but people can go <laughs> and buy the album and listen to it. Um, okay, so, yes. so, um, so tell me a little bit more then about the retreat, because you do women's retreats or, and faith-focused retreats for musicians and, and parish mm-hmm. events and stuff. You're doing a, a whole bunch of stuff. So how did you come up with this idea, I want to do a retreat on the Fruits of the Spirit? Uh, I don't really know. It just kind of came to me one day. I've yeah. done a retreat. I've, this'll be, this is my fourth one that I've written. Okay. And the last one that I did was based on the Beatitudes. And yeah. so it just, it, it follows so well to do seven to eight um, sort of mini segments. And when I started thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, I was like, oh, that's perfect, because there are ten of them. Right. So I can at least teach from six or seven of them and still have three others as as sort of backup when I teach. Um, so it just seemed to fit what I was doing pretty well. And the last two retreats have been based on the life of Christ. So I'll, so like I'll talk about goodness and then talk about a story from the life of Christ that, that echoes the concept of goodness, or I'll talk about patience and do a uh-huh. story from the life of Christ. Nice. So these last two have been very special to me because I really get to teach about Jesus, which I love to do. And I love teaching the Gospels. That's great. So then yeah. when, you're, when, you, and when you say so that it's designed to be like a full-day retreat, or if you go into a parish, how, how do the retreats work? They can work any way a parish wants them to. <laughs> yeah. They can work as a full-day retreat, which is generally like 9 to 3 or 9 to 4, and then I'll do a concert. At night, or yeah. I've done them as two-hour sessions. Okay. Um, I've done them as three-day parish missions, because a lot of people now are moving to this yes. model of yes. Monday Sunday night, night Tuesday concert, night, Monday, night, yeah. Tuesday teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a beautiful model, and yeah. I really hadn't seen anything like it, and I very much heard that voice that said, if you build it, they will come, you yeah, know? absolutely. And I was like, okay, well, then I'm going to build it. And it's really become the sort of the substance of what I do as an itinerant minister, which uh-huh, is great. That's great. And so it's great for parish missions. I know a lot of parishes are doing Advent and, and, and Lenten oh, missions, yeah. but this, was, this one sounds like it'd be great for Easter. That's a little unusual, but mm-hmm. do a, an Easter mission would be great for parishes. Um, about, yes. I don't know, Sarah, Eight years ago or so, you sent me a manuscript. I still have it. It's a musical, Bernadette of Lourdes. Mm, I think the music mm-hmm. is beautiful, and I always wanted to be the, the guy who actually mounted that, that, that musical, but <laughs> you beat me to it. You actually already mount, did you do, you, you mounted it, didn't you? Well, we did. So two years ago, we had our very first performance of it, and it was actually here in Nashville, which uh-huh. was very special, at a local Catholic high school. They yeah. did an incredible job, beautiful. Um, and now we are just trying to sort of um, get it out there. We've talked, you know, to a couple of agents and things like that, but really we want to see it take off ourselves. Um, I've been submitting it to some sort of Catholic um kind of convention events to yeah. see if maybe we can get just get the word out because it is such a beautiful it special is. piece and and we don't want it to fall into the wrong hands of course we want it to be in the right hand. So thank you for mentioning it because we're still really working on it. Well, it's no, well, awesome. you know what? I, I seriously, I still have it and I have the recording <laughs> and I remember thinking this is so, like, I can totally see it on, like on Broadway, yeah. such a great I can musical too. and, and it'll, when the time is right, 
it'll happen, yeah. I'm sure, and maybe I'll be part of that. I don't know. Um, Listen, um, if the bridges of Madison County can get on Broadway, then surely <laughs> Bernadette can get on Broadway. Amen, amen, <laughs> amen. And I'm very excited also because you and I are going to be in Krakow together at World Youth Day. Yes! Um, so that's fun. What, do you know what you're going to be know, doing I'm, already? I'm so excited. I don't. I, well, I'm there as the artist for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Okay. So I'll be doing a lot of their prayers and masses, but then hopefully I'll be able to do some of the U.S. catechetical things and um, just some various catechetical sites. I don't know yet. You know, World Youth Day is such a hodgepodge. It's like you show up and somebody says, oh, <laughs> Absolutely. you're here. I'm going to put you to work, you know. So. That's what I'm going to do. I know you're there, so I'm going to yeah. put you to work. Um, yeah, that's true, and that's the spirit. So you're going as a pilgrim, and, and you're open to yes. surprise, being surprised by the Holy Spirit. That's the way to Absolutely. do World Youth Day. Very And my cool. husband and kids will be there. Oh, that, that, yes. as, as pilgrims as well, or with you? Yeah. With me, but as pilgrims. as pilgrims. So we're really excited about that. That is so cool, because I guess your girls are now old enough that they can yes, pay attention. Yes, they are. Sort of. they're, they're 13 and 16. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So I look forward to hanging out with the whole family then. Me too. It's going to be so fun. I cannot wait. It will. Okay. There. Okay, so Sarah, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. I... I, I uh, I'm never worried that you're not that you're gonna not have something you know next year. So I'm sure that we're gonna be <laughs> hearing some more music from you. Um, but I love this recording. Yes. I've already. Uh, it's. I know it's not officially out yet, but I've shared a little bit of it with some people. So hopefully we can get uh, everybody excited and buying this album. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I love it too, and it's a work of my heart, and I really appreciate your your talking about it. Thank you for letting me come on today. You're very welcome. You can learn more about Sarah Hart. You can book her for your parish retreat or mission or event, and you can get her music, especially this new album, at her website, sarahhartmusic.com. Here now is Sarah Hart with Joy in These Bones from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. I got bruises on my heart and on my soul. Wounds of war within this blood and in my chest. There are scars I've tried to make invisible. Little secrets I work so hard to forget. We're listening to Sarah Hart with Joy in These Bones from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach us via email, Facebook, or Twitter at Salt and Light TV. And you can also reach me, Deacon Pedro, through Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us via direct voice message. You didn't, you didn't know we had this, eh? I don't you can think actually so. go to our, our radio page, and if you click on the right side, there's a little thing, and you can actually re- you click on it. It opens a player, and if you have a microphone, you can actually record, record an there actual message. So a, a direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Well, I guess that means, too, that you can comment. Absolutely. Right? On anything that you hear on this program, either through that direct voice message or through Facebook yes. or, or Twitter. Um, we'll read them or listen to every every message. Yes. And uh, maybe we'll even read them here on air. Absolutely. So go to your computer good. or mobile device and send us a message. Yes. And if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same web, webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post all the links to our artists or guests. 
And one final thing, this show would not be possible without the support of our featured artists and all our guests. So go check them out and support their work. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. Happy Pentecost. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Joy, joy, joy in these bones I got joy